Welcome back to the Astor Podcast. Uh, today we are here again with Gunter Hostman to discuss uh, some some interesting details of the life of the astronomer and astrologer Johannes Pfaff. Welcome back Welcome. Uh, to the uh, to the podcast. So, um, could thank you very much. Could you um, could you tell us who Johannes Pfaff was? Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, Johannes Wilhelm Andreas Pfaff was born in 1774 in Stuttgart. Uh, is not very well known. His elder brother, Johann Friedrich, was a, was a famous mathematician in the time of, of, of Karl Friedrich Gauss, is well, much better known in the history of science. Uh, Johann Friedrich's younger brother studied in Tübingen, at the famous Protestant theological seminar, which is called Stift, even existing until today. But in Tübingen, he acquired also uh, knowledge in natural sciences, and he must have had contact with the astronomer, um, with the astronomer Bonenberger in Tübingen. Bonenberger had been appointed as a professor in, in 1700 and 98. It's, well, I have, I have researched the life and work of Pfaff for some years and also, and also uh, went to Tübingen and consulted the archive of this, of this stift and got some, well, and there I found some details concerning his studies. Mm. They're quite interesting because it emerged that <clears throat> Pfaff obviously had no inclinations becoming, uh, becoming uh, uh, Protestant, uh, uh, Protestant clergyman. Mm -hmm. and, uh, this, and this can be clearly seen uh, from the records of his education, which, which are still extant until today. Mm -hmm. There are numerous criticisms and even, well, harsh judgments concerning, well, his, his studies and, uh, well, uh, his, mm, well, his readings and general behavior and so on. But uh, I was informed that, well, these were massive, there was, uh, well, there were harsh, those were really, well, almost, uh, Acid, acid criticism of criticism as well of his studies and also of his personality. Mm. Uh, but I was informed that this was quite common in these days because the <clears throat> the administration of the stift mm. reacted harshly in these times because the ideas of the French Revolution had obviously spread mm -hmm. among, uh, the among, um, among the students at Tübingen University and the reactions were extremely hard mm -hmm. to all these, well, to all, all sorts of insubordination insub and whatever. Yeah. So well, I think Pfaff was not as much a, as an exception, I think. 
Okay. So they were all young revolutionaries by then. And by then. Was, well, I've, I've, uh, I found the, the, uh, one of the, the final assessments, well, which was a rather, well, which was a bit poisoned, I think. There was a remark, well, he, he, did, not neglect, he did not neglect studying theology at all. <laughs> or completely, he did not, he did not, uh, he, um, he did not, uh, um, he did not de ne neglect studying theology completely. Completely, okay. Not completely. <laughs> not, not completely, <laughs> yeah. Completely. It was, well, yeah. Anyway. His inclinations were clearly more towards natural, natural uh, sciences and especially mm -hmm. astronomy. Mm -hmm. And uh, in 1802, he went to Dorpat. To mm. Russia, and he had and he had been appointed as professor of mathematics at the at the newly refounded University of Dorpat, mm. nowadays Tartu in Estonia, mm. uh, which had been reopened under the Russian government. And it's I've also consulted the the records, accurate records in Tartu of his appointment, which were quite interesting because his elder brother had, had well, had established connections, so to speak, and uh, made, and had obviously made some recommendations of his younger brother. And, uh, in a, well, finally, well, the, the vote was for Pfaff and he went to Russia in 1802 and became mm -hmm. the and also became director of the projected observatory, which was which was later finished under under uh, the famous astronomer Wilhelm Struve. Mm -hmm. And at some time, it's well, it is not yet clear when he when when Pfaff exactly became interested in astrology, but it mm -hmm. must have been already. It's it must have been already in in his time in the time he spent in Dorpat, mm -hmm. because in eighteen there's a there's a letter stating that Pfaff was working on the translation of Kepler's Harmonici Mundi already in eighteen ten. Mm. At this time, he was back in. He was back in Germany already. He did not stay very long in, in Dorpat. But and this was mainly due to the difficult living conditions, which were obviously very expensive. And mm -hmm. also the administration of the university or the state or the state administration of the university was obviously difficult to endure. They had a very strict regime and <clears throat> Well, and supervision of all professors and so on. So it was, well, the time, the living conditions in Dorpat were obviously difficult at the, at the time. And Pfaff tried to get a post in Germany and finally succeeded and moved to Nuremberg, mm -hmm. where a so-called Real Institute had, be, had just been opened with Gotthilf finally Schubert as, as head, as director. Schubert was a very important and influential uh, natural philosopher. Mm -hmm. And when Pfaff arrived at Nuremberg, soon a deep friendship, deep friendship developed between Schubert and Pfaff. Mm -hmm. 
So what was his age by then, when he returned to Germany? Uh, he returned to Germany, let me see, he returned to Germany in 1809, that is, he was quite a young man. He was born yes. in 1774, he was quite young. Yeah. Very young, yes. Nice. He had married a lady from, the, from well, the Leafland, from Leafland, nowadays, Lithuania, Estonia and and Livonia, mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, this lady followed him to Nuremberg. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, he was, he was quite young when he, when he arrived in Nuremberg. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, already married. <laughs> yeah. yeah, married young, so, yes. And uh, um, do you think, um, well, it's not, maybe the question would be, how would his astrological, uh, inclinations or his astrological curiosity uh, would be received in the academia. So yes, because we're already in, a, in an epoch where astrology has completely yeah, fallen. Yeah, 18th century. Yeah. Acceptability um, in terms of science. Uh, I think Pfaff's astrological inclinations already date back to his times as a student in Tübingen. Mm -hmm. Because in Tübingen, uh, there was a professor of physics, Johann Gottlieb, um, <clears throat> Christoph Friedrich Pfleiderer and Pfleiderer uh, was an admirer of Johannes Kepler and he encouraged students to study Johannes Kepler and I think Pfaff had well was in contact with Pfleiderer and I, th I think he was influenced by Pfleiderer's Kepler studies I think it wasn't by chance that he tried to translate the Harmonici Mundi in 1810 yeah. Yeah. and well, this was, well, this, this might be categorized as a rather academic issue, but in 1816, Pfaff published his astrology, on a, small, a small booklet. Um, well, this was an interesting mixture of historical research and, well, and uh, an attempt to validate and to validate astrology or to resurrect astrological thought again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And well, this was not well received among his, his colleagues. <laughs> I can imagine. Severely and harshly criticized for this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, this was the beginning of the 19th century. It was yeah. yeah. Astrology was like in a whole time low at yes. that yeah. point. Yeah. 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 And, it, and it was a time of big triumphs of celestial mechanics and well it was the time of Laplace's uh, mechanique celeste and so on and yeah. the researches of Carl Friedrich Gauss mathematical mathematical and astronomy and astronomical researches and this clearly did not fit well <laughs> but it uh, it's maybe of some interest uh, to quote a letter uh, by Pfaff because he uh, he had sent a copy of his book to Bernhard von Lindenau, who was the editor of the Zeitschrift für Astronomie, an astronomical periodical. And Lindenau obviously, well, I think he sent the letter with the intention of a review or something. And Lindenau was well, obviously reacted somewhat irritated and asked for an explanation of this very <laughs> strange book. And... <laughs> uh, this letter is not extant, but uh, Pfaff's answer is, 
Mm. I could find the I've this it, this letter had been uh, printed partly by von Lindenau in this periodical Church of Astronomy, and by an incredible chance of luck, I found the original wow. on the net some some years ago. Mm. And it is well, I've I've translated the central passages mm -hmm. into English. It is of course written in a very old-fashioned German style. So and. This is all, I hope this is also reflected in the English translation in some way. But this letter is very interesting and significant because Pfaff, well, speaks openly uh, about his well, motivations and thoughts mm -hmm. when, well, when occupying his, himself with astrology. <clears throat> and I may quote the following passages. And Pfaff says, well, for more than 10 years, I've occupied myself with astrology. I felt that it deserved to be mentioned in popular lectures. Earlier, I only had a few works at hand, although some, viewed historically, made a marked, marked, made a marked impression on me. Certainly, Ptolemy's book, that is the Tetrabibulus, mm -hmm. also had several curiosities for me. Finally, I did not know either the origin nor, nor the end of this mysterious system. I then only knew the Mysterium, Cosmographicum by Kepler. Mm -hmm. Later, I became acquainted with this, with this harmony, that is the Harmonice Mundi, mm -hmm. also with his letters, the astrological movements of his time, and Kepler's views, which were so different from those of his age. Yes. Thus, a number of things were collected, and the decision originated for establishing a monument to astrological belief. Mm. I collected was with what was available in my vicinity, looked around <clears throat> a bit in Arabic, and went for aphorisms, paragraphs, and sentences in many times and legends. Mm. Yeah. Up, to, up to now, your highborn will find everything good other. But now the question arose, which spirit should be blown into this lump of paper? Your highborn has written to me absolutely correctly, the historical critical spirit. But for several reasons, this was impossible for me. Auxiliary means were missing. My reading was insufficient. Finally, I was convinced that astrological belief, like other things, went through tradition. Therefore, no proof could be furnished about its origin. Therefore, a hypothesis had to be put forward. Admittedly, it was easy to say that it was clerical, clerical deception or misunderstood couchings of astronomical truths or false application of otherwise correct propositions, but I was unable to supply evidence. Moreover, Kepler's work and nature had to be described, for he certainly was an astrologer, that is, he believed in the connection of the celestial bodies with life on Earth. It is true he went into many mistakes, but the nature, the mind, the life in which he did it must be of interest for everybody keeping himself receptive to the ambition of a great genius. It is in this sense that I have said <clears throat> that I declared I, he has written the spirit of legisl legislation and it appeared curious to me that he despised common astrology, but tried rescuing this belief against his age. For these reasons, I had to give up the historical critical way. 
and gave another tone and mood to the whole. To refute astrological belief, which had declined long ago, would have been untimely. To defend and praise it in, in this age, which has more serious things to do, would not be decent also. <laughs> so it was the plan to draw the image of astrological belief with all clarity and art, mm. so to speak, from the soul of an astrologer in varied form and style, but endowing the whole with the swaying movement so that clarity would appear cloudy and the art mighty again. Finally, the whole should be taken in such a way that none of the common people, in a broader sense, could learn astrology from this in order to use it. I was successful in the latter because many a thing is indistinct for me too. This is the history of astrology for which your highborn were not without concern for me in your last letter. I do not believe that I have made interventions in astronomy. Also, it is probably not so harmful if there existed a comet like nature among astronomers, perhaps me, if they only move around, all around the sun of truth and nobody takes the, other one, takes the other one away with him. After all, all the planets interfere with each other. With each other. It's a highly interesting testimony. It, yes, is, it, is. it is, absolutely. It's delicious. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the final reference to heliocentrism, Around yeah. the Sun of Truth, yeah. and also he, he repeatedly uh, refers to astrology as a belief, except that in the end he calls it an art. It's yeah, very interesting. No, it is. It is. It's really, really, really yeah. interesting. Yeah. And the way he, he he puts it, like um, I I did it in a way that uh, no common people could learn from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because dangerous and not decent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. It's amazing. Mm. And also, uh, the, the only sources that he mentions by name is Ptolemy and Kepler. And then he yeah. mentions the Arabs. There are, there are uh, other Latin treatises with, which have been quoted by him in, in, in his book. Mm -hmm. It is, well, the, the book is a bit, well, it's a bit, it's, well, it is written aphoristically, indeed. Mm -hmm. There are uh, paragraphs dealing with, with with a certain topic and then he moves to another thing it is well it's a rather bit a bit zigzag it's, it's not a well it is, it is not an actual treatise one might say it is well more a collection of associations with some historical sources and so on mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. but uh, it is interesting that uh, well i i don't know what other sources he mentioned but he mentions kepler repeatedly at least in this segment yeah. of the letter and kepler seems to be for him like his ticket to decency to it's ticket yeah. to academia like yeah. if kepler did this yeah we are okay <laughs> we we are decent <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. And, and do you think this this book uh, has any parallels uh, either in germany or elsewhere in terms of this, no, this, this was this was really a singular case in this time, mm -hmm. and even well, and for a, for most part of the nineteenth century until mm -hmm. the end of the century. Yes, and uh, of course, Pfaff's case well, of of a conversion mm -hmm. of an, of the conversion of a professional astronomer to astrology. This was a very very unique case, I think. Yes, yeah. because we can find this kind of work perhaps later on in the century, just by the end of the century, yeah, as yeah, we yeah. turn into the 20th century, then yeah, it yeah. begins to 
to be common yes. in this kind of discussion and and an historical revival and historical study yeah. Yeah. indeed yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. was and even in what? academia the, the, yeah and even in academia yeah. yes but was the book published the book has the, the book was published i mean by this by this editor because it could have been rejected no. and then it, no, Pfaff um, had the book printed. It was published in Nuremberg in 1816. Oh, okay. And he sent a copy to Bernhard von Lindenau. And, and it was, it, it was oh, okay. I, I found some reviews of the oh, book, okay, okay. highly critical reviews. And, uh, well, and his, his, colleagues, his colleagues, astronomers like you and like uh, Bode in Berlin, well, thought Pfaff had become insane indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine all the jokes he had to endure. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was uh, harshly criticized for this, really, and his reputation was ruined, I have to say. Yeah. I, I'm curious of something. Um, um, he went on to, to practicing astrology. Do, do we know of his practice? Did, did he become an astrologer, practicing astrologer, or just had this um, just wrote about it um, I well I have some I found some private records he obviously cast horoscopes but only privately okay he did not publish anything mm -hmm. on it but uh, but uh, his uh, activities as a publisher did not stop with this book because he then embarked on a translation of the of, on a German translation of the Tetravibus mm -hmm. mm -hmm. he uh, started editing a so-called astrological pocket book oh. which only two volumes appeared in the early 20s the 19th century and in this pocket book he he first published the first two books of the travelers followed by the two others mm -hmm. and a number of essays also there was also a number of essays by his by his colleague Gottfried Heinrich Schubert and he uh, published sources concerning Kepler. For example, the witch trial of his mother and wow. extracts of his letters and so on. That is, he occupied himself with Kepler's writings. Okay. And this is quite interesting. And uh, he continued working on this when he moved first to Würzburg University and then to Erlangen. He was forced to move there because the Real Institute in Nuremberg was closed by the government, and he was, well, uh, how it's called, he was, uh, well, he was a professor, and he had, was first moved to Würzburg, and then to New, then, then to Erlangen as a professor, of, an extraordinary professor of mathematics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by the way, there is a, you can frequently you can frequently read this in well on the net and in some modern astrological, astrological dictionaries that with uh, with with Pfaff's death in 1834-5, the last chair of astrology was closed at a German university, which is completely, which is complete nonsense. Yes, it doesn't make sense. was a professor of mathematics and physics, and uh, there was no chair of astrology. Yeah. But he was still working and researching on astrological topics. And he even, and, he, and I found at least one lecture where, which dealt with astrometeorology. 
Okay. Oh. Okay. And and there was also some influence of Faf on his on his students. There is where I've found. Uh, well, it, it was known that uh, Count von Platen, mm -hmm. uh, 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 poet, Count von Platen uh, referred to Faf in in a in a comedy. Which was mm -hmm. written by him. <laughs> it has a very strange title, The Fatal Fork. The mm. Fatal Fork. Fatal <laughs> Fork. <laughs> it is, and uh, there's a quite interesting uh, there's a quite interesting quotation of Faf's astrology. Hold on a second. Um, I have got it somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, Count von Platen, well, mentioned Pfaff uh, in, in his comedy The Fatal Fork. Uh, in, 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 in. This was a, well, this was a very successful, oh, at, at his time, a very successful satirical comedy. And in Act One, a Jew named Schmuel boosted about having read Faust's astrology and sort of Dr. Faustus or whatever and uh, Schmuel exclaims I'm a great astronomer and necromancer all secret powers of nature are well known to me still in Leipzig I gave myself up to I gave myself up as you know to the dark, to the dark arts and chemical studies and to chiromancy and pyromancy and necromancy of Agrippa. Then I read for myself Pfaff's astrology. Mm. And in Göttingen, I carried on the art of geomancy. But I did it secretly, because already a thinker is called there a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> Quite interesting, isn't it? <laughs> so it, the, the book was known for, for him to it use was, it like that. It was known and uh, uh, boded and well, and Bode remarked in his well severe criticism of Pfaff in the astronomical yearbook, Berlin astronomical yearbook, that uh, well he had heard that booksellers had sold quite uh, uh, quite a number of copies, mm. and that the book was obviously quite popular at this time. That's interesting. Well, I have quite one question regarding the book, and if he deals with this, which is. Yeah. Um, by that time, we already had the discovery of Uranus because uh, does he mention that uh, or does he make any, any commentaries on these, these new discoveries by this time? He has indeed uh, commented about this, but uh, he did not, well, yeah, I kept the exact, exact quotation not at hand, unfortunately, but he, he mentioned, of course, he was well aware as an astronomer of these yes, discoveries, yes. but uh, he thought that the, the traditional num uh, number of seven planets was sufficient and okay. for astrology. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Because that's interesting because we, we usually, we have, um, in the case of the astronomic discoveries, we have the Galilean uh, discoveries yeah. and all that revolution that goes in in astronomy yeah. and how it affects astrology or doesn't affect astrology yeah. but um when we come to 
the, the big um, a big discovery, which is the new planets and the, the continuation of the solar system, um, astrology is no longer does no longer have the voice that it had back then. Yeah. So yeah. we have really few reflections on 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 the, the impact of these, but in the in the astrological practice. Yeah. Well. yeah. That's why I asked because it's interesting. That he yeah. does, has that and has that posture, which is quite true. Oh, he was well. Uh, he was very historically orientated. That mm -hmm. is, reading classical texts of and Renaissance texts and so on, and even older treatises. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, well, apart from this, well, rather popular reception, he also wrote some articles for the Morgenblatt für gebildete Stände. Hmm. Issue uh, published in Stuttgart with some astrological, well, let's say, illusions. Hmm. Yeah. These were, well, this was, well, we, we may call it today popular science. Hmm. But uh, his research activities and interest in astrology had uh, very important results in, because uh, Christian Frisch. Who had studied in with Pfaffen Erlangen mm -hmm. uh, was the editor of the first critical edition of Kepler's works. Yeah. And uh, there are direct connections mm -hmm. to this reception of Kepler in, this, in the circle of Pfaff mm -hmm. in Erlangen. And these connections have been researched by a philosopher. Um, Professor Ziche in Utrecht recently, who was published, uh, he um, he has written a book on the reception of Kepler and of, on Schelling's reception of Kepler and uh, has unearthed very important documents. And there's a direct connection back to Pfaff and well, to his reception of Kepler. That is the first critical edition of Kepler's works well, is well is closely linked to Pfaff's activities and research work. Okay, yeah. It is quite interesting. Yes it is, it is. And, and in fact he is he, almost in terms of his posture is clearly is a more historical and a traditionalist in terms yeah. of how astrology yeah. should be seen at least, not yeah. I am also curious about um, uh, his work because it was so completely different from what was being done at this time. Indeed, and also, yes. If there is some uh, connection with uh, uh, what we can call German astrology that uh, was very strong and very prominent in the beginning, one century later, uh, later mm -hmm. in the beginning of the 20th century, because it was very specific. We had very uh, good uh, and uh, prominent astrologers in Germany in the beginning of the 20th century. Is there any connection to this um, to this author? Well, the uh, interest in Pfaff's works works revived again at the beginning of 20th century. Wilhelm Knappich wrote a first biography, I think in around 1910, mm -hmm. and in the heyday of astrology in Germany in the 20s and 30s, Pfaff was remembered again, and also his German translation of the Tetrabiglos was reprinted okay. in the journal Zenit. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And this is neat, yes. Yeah, and this <laughs> translation was reprinted again after Second World War by a small publishing house near Hanover. Okay. This edition can still be bought. This is still available on the net free, infrequently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The Zenith, just to let uh, people know, uh, was a magazine, an astrological magazine that was published in the beginning of the 20th century in Germany and in yeah. German language. And uh, I had the pleasure of uh, reading, well, at least seeing some of the uh, originals at the Warburg Institute. Yeah. A few of them. And, uh, and then it, it, it disappeared, but at least um, this work, this author was somehow preserved uh, and his work yes. uh, survived in the Zenith. And also show us a link uh, that exists yeah. between yeah. the fall of astrology at the end of the, the 17th century and then a sort of continuation in this these authors, in these individual yeah. 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 revival yeah. and then establish yeah. a link to then a revival of, a, of the practice, if we can call it that, at the, 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 the beginning of the 20th century. Yeah, yeah. Because we, mm. we often don't know what happened mm. between what we call the fall of astrology and its revival. Mm. We yeah. don't know. So these individuals yeah. that were completely out of their time, mm -hmm. they help us to understand yeah, exactly. that period. Because I think usually that most people uh, investigating uh, this kind of history are connected to the history of science and astrology sort of drops out of history of science yeah. Yeah. once it, it's no longer considered the science so the the, the 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 study of astrology within the history of science ends at the beginning of the 18th century yeah. after there on we, we are stuck we're usually talking about history of occultism esotericism mm -hmm. cultural and other topics, so it drops out of things. And it's interesting to see uh, that there is a gap because we do have a practice of astrology continuously uh, until t today. And, and it's interesting to see how, how that jump uh, occurs. And especially, it's particularly uh, interesting to see a revival of a traditional view of astrology at such a, a later date. Uh, so it's sort mm -hmm. of a stepping stone to other revivals that occur at the beginning of yeah. the century. Yeah. Yeah, so the publishing of the Tata Biblos and... But and at the same that. time, Pfaff uh, was a traditionalist, yes, but at the same time, he seems to be very enumerated with Kepler and Kepler's ideas. And so it is interesting to see how he managed to put everything together. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ptolemy's work and Kepler's work. Yeah. And yeah. carry this to just just to a, a question and i know this is a complex uh we don't, doesn't need to be too much detailed um the book itself um is it a book that teaches no uh, um, no something on astrology <laughs> or it just speaks about it historically and gives no. out the general idea it's how. a yeah, different it's, book <laughs> it, it is not well it is not well it is not an organized textbook okay. that is well Let's compare it to your treatise, and which, which is a well systematically arranged mm -hmm. uh, sequence of topics. Then you yeah. will not find anything comparable mm -hmm. in Pfaff's book. Yeah. There are, of course, well, he, he for example, he describes the dignities, essential and accidental dignities of planets, and he also reproduces a table. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think it was of, of Schoeners. Mm-hmm. The Unit is now Tenativitatum. And he also describes, well, the uh, uh, correlations of elements mm-hmm. with planets and so on and uh, aspects and whatever. But it is not, it is not very systematic. Okay, it's not but, always uh, in a didactical way. It's yeah, just yes, it is. Well, he, he tries to well give a broad picture of astrological thought with some historical digressions and so on. And also the, uh, well, the, um, uh, the structure of the book is quite interesting because he has arranged it, he has arranged the chapters according to the 12 signs of the zodiac. Uh-huh. Chapters have names of the signs that is starting with Aries and so on. <laughs> Oh, so he goes into astrology, but uh, well, I think in the letter that you wrote and uh, the, the letter that you you mm-hmm. read some parts, he says that uh, he was careful enough not to let the common people learn. Yeah. So it's kind yeah. of this is a decent book. This is a book that is just to talk about astrology, but not to teach about astrology. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's, well, this book has some something well has some romantic spirit that is well it is full of illusions and well it's yeah he was obviously fascinated in, okay. in some way of astrology and yeah. this is well you will not find many technical details in it mm-hmm. but well anyway he at least he well he he describes some some things but it is not well it is not a textbook of astrology okay. in fact oh, but it has a value on its own because it's yeah, probably the result of its own period and uh, yeah, the result yeah. of that person. It's, mm-hmm. it is yeah, yeah. So, and then uh, obviously because of what we t- of what you told us, he had some participation in the creation of uh, astrological material. And um, did he pursue any more um, academic? Uh, well, he was a teacher of mathematics, so. My question, I guess, is um, the fact of being an astrologer, or at least as being a sympathizer of astrology, did not prevent his academic, uh, not totally career. prevent his academic no. career. No, he, he taught, he, well, he, he lectured on, astro- on astro- astronomical topics and he, he uh, lectured physics and so on, and mm-hmm. also published some papers and also he wrote also a, a textbook on physics. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. And he, well, he's, well, he wrote parallel on these things, but, well, and, but as well, aside from astrology, he was obviously very, well, how it's called, um, was interested in many things, obviously. And he also, well, he, he started learning Sanskrit, for example, and, and he, and he also wrote a, Polemic against Jean-François Champollion on the on his uh, <clears throat> on Champollion's uh, translation of hieroglyphs, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he well, it was it's quite fascinating to say the, it is well the what's, the the, tra- the title is the the wisdoms of the Egyptians and the learned and the learned French. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he knew a little bit of everything. He was uh, yeah, eclectic. Yeah. eclectic. He, also trans- he also translated treatises. There's, a, for example, a book on 
Mineralogy by Berzelius. He translated this from Swedish, obviously, and also wrote a book on old German literature. Mm -hmm. That is, he was, he was a multifaceted person. He was by no means interested in, uh, in uh, astro astronomy and mathematics alone. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah he was a, a bit of everything. He was an eclectic person. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, fascinating. Yeah. I, found a very, I found a very curious remark on, in one of his observation diaries, which are still kept in the, <clears throat> in the state archive in uh, Tartu. And this was, well, of course, an array of numbers of, of, of sun and star observations. And, well, and on, the, on one paper, there's a single sentence. And uh, it is translated, it's, it's uh, well, translation is, what is, uh, what is um, what is man calculating, or calculating man? And, he, and the answer is nothing. <laughs> Very strange. <laughs> Only a short sentence. <laughs> or philosopher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Quite interesting. Uh, because we, uh, it is, it is, it's very fascinating to hear, to see this practice and this revival and this reconsideration of astrology, such a later date. And mm -hmm. I think that's, uh, for me, uh, yeah. the, the, the fascinating um, topic here and, and, and quite important. And the way, like I said before, of existing this stepping stone uh, to the present and seeing the tradition that ended still being finding a revival and a little bit coming yeah. upwards again in the in this kind of work which is quite interesting. And also the, the strength of the tradition because although he was fascinated obviously by Kepler and Kepler being the genius that he was in many fields still the astrological tradition managed to survive <laughs> in, in a way I, uh, <laughs> so it, it is also interesting to see that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, but Pfaff was well, very soon forgotten, until well, and until he was well, rediscovered <laughs> in, the, in the beginning of the twentieth century. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, but uh, maybe some people are completely out of sync with their own time. Mm -hmm. But then, some some decades or even centuries later, they can have their own. I don't yeah. know their own moment, so yeah. to say. Yeah. Maybe it's the case of Pfaff. <laughs> Okay, uh, well, thank you very much for... Thank you for presenting you. us uh, yes, for <laughs> this, this, uh, this fascinating, fascinating... Thank you. Only a very, well, very short introduction. Yes, but I think uh, I will put the link to your paper on the... Uh, yeah, yeah. On the and it, I hope, uh, well, I've, I've uh, given a talk on the reception of Kepler. And mm -hmm. of course, Faf is also mentioned there in St. Petersburg last year mm -hmm. on the on the conference on the harmony of the on the harmonici mundi of Kepler. Mm -hmm. This paper shall be published I think in Culture and Cosmos. Okay. Oh okay. Okay that that would be okay so also when, we can also yeah, link when, also whenever link, it is published. We can also put yeah. links so, so people can uh, access the whole information, the whole yeah. discussion. Yeah. Oh. Oh.
Thank you. Thank you very much. I have to thank you. And we hope to see you in the future for other discussions of yeah, another. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to this. Yeah, topics. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.